Joe Biden keeps tapping the Strategic Petroleum Reserve just in time for the midterms. The White House allegedly asks that El Paso refrain from declaring a migration emergency. And George Floyd's family looks to sue Kanye West. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Speaking of which, have you ever read the tiny print when you start browsing in incognito mode? It says your activity might still be visible to your employer, your school, your ISP. How exactly is that incognito? To really stop people from seeing all of your data, you need to do what I do and use ExpressVPN because what I do on the internet is frankly my business. I don't want the government watching it. I don't want big tech monetizing it, especially because they hate my values. Think about all the times you've used Wi-Fi at a coffee shop or a hotel, even at your parents' house. Without ExpressVPN, every site you visit could be logged by the admin of the network. That is still true even when you are in incognito mode. What's more, your home internet provider can also see and record your browsing data in the United States. They're legally allowed to sell that data to advertisers. ExpressVPN is an app that encrypts all your network data and reroutes it through a network of secure servers so your private online activity stays just that, private. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. It is super easy to use. The app literally has one button. You tap it to connect. Your browsing activity is secure from prying eyes. So stop letting strangers invade your online privacy. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Use that link, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. Also, you know, while I was on the road, I just didn't sleep all that well. One of the reasons I didn't sleep all that well is because I did not have my magical Helix Sleep mattress. So despite the fact that I was severely jet-lagged yesterday because I had just arrived from Jerusalem, I was still able in the middle of the afternoon just conk out on that Helix Sleep mattress because Helix makes the best mattresses possible. They are made just for you. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains, even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. Because why exactly would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? You wouldn't go to the coffee shop and then just have the guy who, who ordered in front of you just have his coffee. Instead, you get it personalized. Do the same thing with your mattress. You take the sleep quiz the same way that I do, and you get a mattress made just for you. And the mattress comes directly to your door for free. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. They have over 12,000 five-star reviews. For a limited time, Helix is offering up to 350 bucks off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for our listeners. That's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. Well, as the midterms approach and as the chances of Democrats holding the Senate decline day by day, President Biden has a solution. His solution is that he is going to tap the Strategic Petroleum Reserve over and over and over in a vain attempt to lower the price of gasoline just before the midterm elections. According to the Wall Street Journal, President Biden said on Wednesday he will continue to tap emergency oil reserves to blunt new shocks to global oil markets as oil industry groups contend that Biden's policies will only worsen the shortages. In a speech from the White House, Biden confirmed he had already decided to have the Energy Department go ahead with sales of the last of roughly 15 million of 180 million barrels from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve get authorized for sale back in March. Those sales will now happen in December, Biden said. He said he's also willing to authorize more sales from the reserve after that if necessary. Biden said he tasked his energy officials to be ready for quick decisions if there are disruptions in supply. Joe Biden also said this is not politically motivated. Now, obviously, it is politically motivated. That is the reason why we are tapping the, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We don't actually have any long-term shortages in the United States. We could alleviate our current shortages 
by, you know, actually re-incentivizing people to invest in things like oil refineries or in fracking. But Joe Biden is not willing to do any of those things. Instead, he just yells at the oil companies or your local gas station saying that they are keeping the prices too high. And then meanwhile, he taps the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which of course is designed for actual emergencies, not just because the prices went up because of a war in Ukraine. Here was Joe Biden, however, denying that this was politically motivated at all. This comes, by the way, shortly after Joe Biden did the politically motivated thing of calling the Saudis and asking them to boost the oil supply for like one additional month to get him past the midterms. And it is so transparent at this point that Joe Biden is manipulating the oil flow just before a midterm election for purposes of gaining votes in the midterm election. He just does it right out in the open. If Donald Trump did stuff like this, you know the media would be all over him talking about the corruption inherent in activity like this. Joe Biden does it, and we're all supposed to pretend that this is just good policy. Everybody's just standing there grinning right behind him. What is your response to Republicans who say you are only doing this SPR release because, to help Democrats in the midterms? Where have they been the last four months? That's my response. Is it politically motivated, sir? This no, move, it's not. Three weeks before the midterms? Look, it makes sense. I've been doing this for how long now? Uh, the answer is you've been doing it leading up to the midterms over and over and over again and again, pretending that he's not doing this again just before the midterms. He's desperately attempting to bring down those gas prices because his party is about to take a whooping that is going to hurt him very badly. Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, she says, you know, we're emptying the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, of course, because Russia invaded Ukraine, which again, Russia invading Ukraine does not directly implicate the United States. If in fact, we wish to up our energy supply, if we wish to reorient all of Europe away from Russian energy, that's something we could have done over the course of years. Instead, what is happening right now is that Joe Biden is incentivizing the continuation of a war in Ukraine with no end in sight. Again, his White House has announced they do not know how the war is going to end. They don't know what the timeline is. They just know Ukraine can't utterly win the war, but they're going to continue to fund that. You're going to pay for it, and we're going to tap the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Jennifer Granholm says this is all good policy. Bring down gas prices. What do you say to critics who say this this is beyond what the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was really intended for. No, this is a wartime footing. The president declared an emergency back in March when we first decided that we would be releasing a million barrels per day. Why is that? It's because Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia is a major oil producer. When they invaded Ukraine and all these countries said that they were not going to accept Russian oil, that pulled millions of barrels off the market. Okay, again, according to the Energy Department itself, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was established primarily to reduce the impact of disruptions in supplies of petroleum products and to carry out obligations of the United States under the International Energy Program. What obligations of the United States under the International Energy Program have actually been leveraged right here? Does anyone know the answer other than Joe Biden needs to bring down the price of oil? Meanwhile, as if this weren't just about bringing down the price of oil, Joe Biden is yelling at the American energy companies again. He is suggesting that American energy companies need to halt their stock buybacks while a war is raging. So it's all their fault. It's the energy company's fault. So the war is Joe Biden continuing to fund the war without upping the energy supplies while continuing to push diversity, equity, inclusion, energy, environmental social governance policies on energy companies. But it's really the gas companies who are the problem. My message to the American energy companies is this. You should not be using your profits to buy back stock or for dividends. Not now. Not while a war is raging. You should be using these record-breaking profits to increase production and refining. Invest in America for the American people. Bring down the price you charge at the pump to reflect what you pay for the product. He's such a joke. I'm sorry. It's not the energy company's problem that Joe Biden 
has facilitated the disincentivization of investment in their companies. He says to people, don't invest in the oil companies. Then they have to raise their prices because there aren't enough oil refineries out there and they don't have enough investors who are actually promoting future growth. He's limiting the areas of drilling. And then he says to them, why aren't you guys more patriotic? Do what I want you to do. And he does the same thing with the Saudis. It's unbelievable. He'll say to people that he's going to undercut their interests and then he begs them for help. And they're like, no, why, why would we? You've now made it harder for us to do our jobs. Jeff Eshelman, the president of the Independent Petroleum Association of America, said, quote, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is meant to protect consumers against emergency supply disruptions, not politicians, during an election year. His group represents thousands of typically smaller and mid-sized exploration and production companies. He said the Strategic Petroleum Reserve release is a short-term fix for prices at best. Quote, it not only reduces our capacity to protect ourselves in case of a true emergency in the future, but also increases America's reliance on the politically volatile countries that currently provide most of our oil. That's correct, of course. If you're tapping the SPR right now, what happens when you run out of oil in the SPR and now you're more dependent on all the countries that Joe Biden pretends to hate? When I say pretends, I mean pretends. I mean, he's literally going to Venezuela right now and attempting to have them reopen their oil industry by lowering sanctions on what is a communist hellhole state led by Nicolas Maduro. It's such an obvious politically corrupt move here by Joe Biden. As the Wall Street Journal editorial board points out, White House officials accuse OPEC and its allies of manipulating oil prices. But then what do you call what Biden is trying to do? Three weeks before Election Day, Biden is ordering 15 million more barrels released from the SPR to reduce gas prices. The new releases are a sign of political desperation. Crude price climbed after OPEC Plus this month announced a 2 million barrels a day cut in production. It is really closer to a 1 million barrels a day since many countries aren't meeting their quotas right now. But as day follows night, U.S. gas prices have increased and the political timing could not be worse for Democrats. The administration says its planned drawdown will add about 500,000 barrels a day to global supply in December, which is misleading. About 1 million barrels a day on average have been released since spring. The drawdowns were scheduled to end next month, so the new releases will merely prevent supply from contracting more than it otherwise would. The main problem is that oil demand has now outstripped supply amid the post-pandemic economic recovery owing to lack of investment, especially in the United States, which had been the world's swing producer. U.S. production has been flat since May. Now, again, if you actually wished to battle the Russians in Ukraine, what you need to do is strengthen America's energy industry. Joe Biden has neglected all of these things. The swing producers, as the Wall Street Journal are now, Saudi Arabia and the UAE, which Joe Biden has been busily attempting to alienate by undercutting the Abraham Accords, by negotiating with the Iranians until the point it became so embarrassing he couldn't negotiate with the Iranians anymore, by going out publicly and ripping on the Saudi government. Genius moves here by Joe Biden, that, that supposed adult in the room. The Biden SPR releases have probably helped reduce prices at the margin, but one risk was always that crude prices would rise when releases tapered off, and here we are. Again, the Wall Street Journal points out a true national emergency could also fast deplete the reserve, which is why previous presidents performed only three emergency releases. Operation Desert Storm in 1991, which was 17.3 million barrels. Hurricane Katrina in 2005, which was 20.8 million barrels. And the Libya oil disruptions in 2011, 30.6 million barrels. The prices exceeded 90 bucks a barrel from 2011 to 2014. Barack Obama didn't resort to emergency drawdowns to reduce the gas prices. What brought down oil prices and kept them low the last decade was the shell fracking boom. But Democrats refuse to appropriate the money to keep oil pumping from marginal wells, calling it a bailout for big oil. And so you've seen the production drop fairly dramatically under the Democrats. One, this is one reason oil production beyond the Permian Basin has been flat or declining since summer of 2020. So now the administration is saying it plans to encourage near-term production by announcing its intent to repurchase oil for the reserve when the price of West Texas Intermediate crude oil falls to 67 to 72 bucks a barrel. So they're going to replenish the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. But 
who the hell knows when, when the prices are going to drop that far, considering that the Saudis want to keep the prices 90 to $100 a barrel. So it'll be very expensive to refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Now, you know what would have been a good thing, actually, is if, for example, we had refilled the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in, say, 2020, when Trump was president. In fact, here was Donald Trump in 2020 talking about how he was trying to refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Based on the price of oil, I've also instructed the Secretary of Energy to purchase that a very good price large quantities of crude oil for storage in the U.S. Strategic Reserve. We're going to fill it right up to the top, saving the American taxpayer billions and billions of dollars, helping our oil industry and making us even further toward that wonderful goal which we've achieved, which nobody thought was possible, of energy independence. Yeah. So this is what Donald Trump was pushing in 2020. I know Donald Trump is very bad in orange and all of that, but it turns out he was exactly right. Meanwhile, you know what the Democrats did in 2020? They rejected the expansion of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve holdings. According to Roll Call, this is in March of 2020, the Trump administration's plan to top off the SPR ran into a blockade after lawmakers excluded $3 billion in funding for oil purchases from the massive stimulus package before Congress. Senate Democrats took credit for stripping out that oil money from the Senate bill unveiled Wednesday, calling it a bailout for the oil industry. The administration had announced plans to buy 77 million barrels, enough to fill the reserve. But, and then they, they solicited offers to the Energy Department from small and mid-sized producers. But Congress killed it. And Democrats bragged about it. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer pointed to the exclusion of the $3 billion bailout for big oil in their summary of the House Democrats' stimulus package. A summary of the bill said, the price of crude oil has fallen to its lowest level in nearly two decades. So selling oil from the SPR now would result in a significant loss of value to the taxpayer. So genius stuff there from the Democrats. Karine Jean-Pierre, world's worst press secretary, was asked about this yesterday. Why exactly did Democrats reject refilling the Strategic Petroleum Reserve when Trump was president? She said, well, you know, it, that, was, that was 2020. Now it's 2022. Oh, uh, you, you mean when Trump is president, you just obstructed what is obviously good policy? And now Joe Biden releasing oil from the SPR just before an election, that, that's now good policy? Why, it's almost as though you're wildly inconsistent based on political purposes. 2020, when Congress was debating uh, funding for replenishing the SPR yeah. uh, at a low price, Democrats blocked it, saying that it was a bailout for big oil. But now, President so Biden said today I, that would be a, a good Yeah, I know exactly that. what you're talking about. You're talking about when uh, Donald Trump was trying to sell it at $20 uh, per per, uh, per barrel to buy, to, yeah, to buy it. Look, it was a different time then. It was not the same situation that we are currently in. The reserve was close to full capacity at that time, and so there was no reason uh, to uh, to to, you know, to make that type of uh, repurchase. Oh, there, there wasn't? Because it seems like the whole point of a reserve is to have the reserve be full. This is like saying, well, you know, your, your battery on your phone, it was at like 70%. So we saw no reason why you should charge it to 100% because after all, it was at 70%. And then your phone dies. You're like, well, maybe I should have charged my phone way back then. Yes, it turns out that the whole point of a reserve is that eventually you might have to tap it. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is just out there lying. He says his administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. That, of course, is wildly untrue. Here is Joe Biden trying to talk his way through this one. We need to responsibly increase American oil production without delaying or deferring our transition to clean energy. Let me uh, let's debunk some myths here. My administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. Quite the opposite. We're producing 12 million barrels of oil per day. And by the end of this year, we will be producing 1 million barrels a day, more than the day in which I took office. Well, then why have prices skyrocketed? The answer, of course, is that you've made it very difficult for people to invest in the oil and energy industry. 
In fact, that's part of your broader strategy. So a few things come into play here that are, that are pretty amazing. One, Democrats who are not inside the administration. Inside the administration, they recognize that you're really not supposed to be using state resources in order to promote yourself before an election. That, in fact, that looks a lot like corruption. But outside the administration, some Democrats in media, they're basically like, listen, whatever it takes to stop the Republicans from taking power is what it takes. And when you wonder about the people who are constantly jabbering about threats to democracy, saying that it is not a threat to democracy to be as corrupt as humanly possible in order to skew the results of a midterm election, you have to wonder whether they actually care about democracy or whether democracy is just a code word for things we like. And when Democrats win, that's democracy. If Republicans win, that's not democracy, and it must be stopped by all means available, up to and including corrupt release of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That's essentially what Chris Hayes was saying on MSNBC last night. It's an amazing clip from Chris Hayes. He says, you know, the only way to preserve democracy is for Joe Biden to do unbelievably corrupt things in violation of his presidential oath. Oil companies, OPEC, Saudis, not exactly eager to make sure prices are low before an election where Democratic candidates are vulnerable. It's also why Saudi Arabia might want to suddenly announce a cut in oil production right before the midterms. Of course, Democrats can't just throw their hands up and say, oh, well, because the future of American democracy is in, as we report night in and night out on this program, real peril, existential peril. Oh, you see, Joe Biden can be as corrupt as he wants to be because democracy is in peril. Okay, you want to know how nations actually slide into fascism? The way that nations actually slide into fascism is because the other guy is just so bad, I have to do everything I possibly can to stop him from gaining power, up to and including accretion of power in places that are illegal or corrupt. That is how people actually slide into fascism. Fascism is very generally not people just marching into the streets in jackboots and taking over all the institutions of government. Typically, it's large swaths of people going along with accretion of power in a certain group of people in order to prevent the other people from gaining that power. This is why political polarization tends to be kind of dangerous. And this political polarization is pushed by people like Chris Hayes, obviously. You know, the, the political polarization that says it's okay if my side does it because after all, the other side is so bad that we have to stop them by any means necessary. You want a, a jackbooted state that is typically historically the way these things go. It's important to remember whenever people talk about the rise of fascism in Germany, for example, it's important to remember the centralization of power in the executive branch in Germany preceded Hitler. And it was largely created as a response to the rise of the Communist Party in Germany. And so all of these sort of conservative forces, meaning the anti-left anti forces, the anti-communist forces in, in Germany, they basically consolidated around accretion of power in the executive branch before Hitler had even had even been elected to the chancellorship in Germany. The same thing, by the way, happened when it came to Mussolini. Mussolini was appointed by the king of Italy and actually operated under democratic auspices for the first several years of his tenure. It was only in about 1924 when Mussolini actually turned himself into the full-fledged dictator. He actually took power in about 1921. So if we are talking about the rise of fascism, what you have to know is that the key to the rise of fascism is the belief that institutions can be subsumed and destroyed in the name of, quote-unquote, saving the republic from the bad guys. Once you decide the institutions are less important than stopping the bad guys, it's just a question of who's going to end up wielding the government gun at the end of that battle. This is why this stuff is incredibly dangerous, of course. And the fact that Chris Hayes just puts that out there, sure, I mean, sure, Joe Biden is engaging in open corruption with the Saudis or with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, but the Republicans are really, really scary. And that sort of language is not likely to bring about a restoration of democratic faith, is it? Exactly. Well, meanwhile, a lot of this is tied into the generalized democratic perception that oil is bad, gas is bad, except when we need it, at which point we just release it from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve or we go begging to the Saudis or we go begging to the Venezuelans. So Joe Biden yesterday, he's basically saying every crisis is an opportunity. And now, you know what, we're, we're going to be able to charge up vehicles at any gas station. That's what we're doing. 
the Inflation Reduction Act, which has not reduced inflation in any way, that, that, that what that really does, it makes sure that you can charge your electric vehicle. Now, listen, I own a Tesla. I love my Tesla. It is a wonderful, wonderful car. Also, it was supremely expensive. The vast majority of people in the United States cannot afford a Tesla, nor can you actually afford to wait for a Tesla. I had to wait a year in line to get my Tesla delivered. So the, the notion that all this is going to be fixed by additional charging stations at the Chevron is ridiculous. But that's what Joe Biden is pushing, because after all, green, green revolution. The Chips and Science Act that I signed into law is literally supercharging our efforts to make semiconductors, those small computer chips that power every, our everyday lives, including our vehicles here in America. And the infrastructure law is investing $7.5 billion to build electric vehicle charging stations all across America. So finding a place to charge up your vehicle is going to be as easy as pulling into a gas station. Problem fixed, guys. Problem fixed. You know, your car that doesn't run on electricity right now, you know, the one that runs on oil. Well, you might not be able to get oil cheap, but at least there's a plug over there that you can't plug into your car. That's, that's going to fix the problem. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris is saying, you know, we have to reshift industries, shift away from the oil and natural gas industry. That, that's the key. That's the key. What are some of the climate actions that the administration has taken that folks may not know so much about? Well, a lot of it has to do with a, a real intentionality that we have uh, to reshift industries. Every nodding along, all the nodding. And um, do that in a way that we are emphasizing the importance of. U.S. investment in U.S.-based R&D, research and development. Uh, the, the president and I both care deeply about the importance of investing in, in, in scientists and engineers and, and that research. Wipe away a tear of laughter. Uh, she, she is so bad at this. She is so entirely bad at this. Kamala Harris. Ah, we'll get to more on this in just one minute. First, did you know there are currently over 2.4 million podcasts in the world, including the one you are listening to right now? But this is the best one. And one of the reasons this is the best one is because we have an amazing staff. And now that I am back in South Florida, I have my staff about me. My comfort level has risen because these are great employees. And we found many of them through ZipRecruiter.com. Check them out for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. If you're a fan of the show, you want to try ZipRecruiter for free. You need to remember my special URL, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. We use ZipRecruiter when we hire. You should do the same. You want great employees? This is the best way. It will save you all sorts of time, which means money. Check them out right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire to get started. Plus, you may have noticed that it's starting to cool off out there, even in the great state of Florida. And this is, it's great because it was like super humid and 98 degrees until just a moment ago. One of the reasons I like when it cools down is because I can really enjoy my bowl and branch sheets keeping me warm. I love those bowl and branch sheets. They're made from the best 100% organic cotton threads 
on planet Earth for superior softness that only gets better with every single wash. Their signature hem sheets from Bull & Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They're made with threads so luxurious. They're beloved by three U.S. presidents. They're buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. They're perfect for every season. And they have over 25,000 stellar reviews. Bull & Branch signature sheets come in nine neutral colors. They fit all mattress sizes from twin all the way on up to California King. Plus, they fit the deepest of mattresses. You, you hate that thing where you put the fitted sheet on the mattress and then halfway through the night, your face is just directly on the mattress because the sheet has come off the mattress. That will never happen again with Bull and Branch. Try the sheets that will make the fall the coziest season of the year. Get 15% off your first set of sheets plus free shipping when you use promo code Shapiro at bullandbranch.com. That's bullandbranch, B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code Shapiro, bullandbranch.com. Promo code Shapiro. By the way, she did tell us that she loves electric cars. So I've learned that Kamala Harris in the last couple of weeks, I've learned of a couple of things that she loves. She, she's not big on like paying attention to the institutions of the United States. Uh, she, she's really not big on paying attention to the border crisis she's supposed to handle. She does love Venn diagrams. We learned that last week, both two and three circle Venn diagrams. Also, she loves electric cars, loves them. And it's hilarious. And uh, you know, it's hilarious because she did this event with other members of her government and, uh, and they're all sitting there and nodding to each other, which is... This isn't creepy and weird and dystopian at all. What are some parts of the Inflation Reduction Act, this this amazing new law that you are most excited about? So amazing. Oh, so, so I mean, exciting. so much. So I'm, I'm oh. one of the things that I'm very excited about is what we have been doing in terms of electric Looking vehicles. Down in her notes. Um, and. I have a particular fondness, I must tell you, for electric school buses. I love electric love school that. buses. <laughs> ah, she loves electric school buses. Also the magic school bus. She loves the magic school bus also. Miss Frizzle, the whole gang. Ah, so this is the genius move by our administration. They can be as corrupt as they want to be and also rely on electric buses. I'll fix it. By, by the way, you, you may have noticed that the electric vehicle revolution actually requires a pretty significant drain on the power grid. That power grid is traditionally powered by fossil fuels. And that is rather a large problem. All of this is part and parcel of a broader energy agenda of the left that, uh, that has, bears no relation to reality. And, and I have to say, I, I do admire and love. She speaks of things she loves. Kamala Harris, she loves electric vehicles and Venn diagrams. The things that I love, among the things that I love, are radical environmental protesters. I love them. I love them because they say the quiet part out loud, which is that everything they believe is absolutely idiotic. So they're a bunch of environmental protesters uh, who decided to glue themselves to the floor around a Porsche. Uh, they're, they're actually at a, at a VW factory. And, uh, and a person named Gianluca Grimalda, who's a researcher for the Kiel Institute for the World Economy, he, uh, he decided to glue himself along with some of his friends to the, uh, to the floor here. And then he released a video talking about how nine people glued themselves to the floor of the Porsche Pavilion in Germany. And they went on hunger strike until their demands to decarbonize the German transport sector are met. So they will, they will sit there with their hand glued to the floor until people stop using carbon-based energy. So 100 years from now, their skeletons will just be glued to the floor. You know, just, I, I guess at that point, they'll have slumped over because the skin that's actually glued to the floor won't be there anymore, just through, just through the natural processes of, of disintegration. Anyway, here is uh, this, this scientist, Gianluca Grimalda. <laughs> we know he's a scientist because he's wearing a white coat. And I'm here in the Porsche Pavilion in the Autostadt of Wolfsburg to denounce the responsibility of a Volkswagen in the climate emergency. Pause right there for a second. Earth. Okay, so uh, I just want to scroll back for like one second. In this video, he's literally sitting next to a Porsche that says on the license plate, 
e-hybrid. So he was protesting the carbon-based fossil fuel energy sitting next to an e-hybrid. Oh, these geniuses. Okay, we can continue with this, with this guy. In the climate emergency that we are facing, we are observing famines, floods, droughts, and, uh, and many other extreme weather events. We know that that is the cause, and we know that we must stop CO2 emissions. We know that we must decarbonize. So, yeah, that's great. By the way, uh, he also tweeted out, this is, this is so funny. I can't get over this. He, he tweeted this out, quote, VW told us that they supported our right to protest, but they refused our request to provide us with a bowl to urinate and defecate in in a decent manner while we are glued and they've turned off the heating. People in support can't get out of the building. Oh, man. Well, well, well. If it isn't the consequence of your own gluing your hand to the floor, like an idiot. <laughs> Guys, next time you decide to glue your hand to the floor um, of, a, of a car factory, you might want to think about cathing yourself or at least where you plan to poop. But apparently, these geniuses, they didn't think about the future. These are the people who are in charge of the future, actually. We should listen to them about all things with regard to the future up because they clearly think about the future not beyond about 42 minutes. And so, so this morning, I woke up very, very early with my smallest child. Before we went on a car ride, I asked her if she had to go to the bathroom because otherwise she might have to go to the bathroom in the car and she's two and a half. So... Uh, she said, I will try before I get in the car. She's two and a half and had the foresight to, to recognize that perhaps before you do a thing that's going to be time consuming, you might want to go to the bathroom or make provision for such. These guys glued themselves to the floor in a hunger strike. So unless that hunger strike was going to be 32 minutes long before they had a coffee break, what exactly did they think the logic was? They, these are the people who think about the future. Uh, and probably they should run our energy policy. We should, we should listen to them. Meanwhile, speaking of aspect of corruption just before the midterm elections. According to the New York Post, the Biden administration pressured the Democratic mayor of El Paso, Texas, to not declare a state of emergency over the city's migrant crisis due to fear it would make President Biden look bad, according to the New York Post. At least three of the El Paso City Council's eight members have urged Mayor Oscar Leeser to issue an emergency declaration in response to the thousands of migrants who have filled the city shelters and are being housed in local hotels, sources familiar with the matter said. But Leeser admitted during a private phone conversation last month he'd been directed otherwise by the Biden administration, according to one of the officials. He told me the White House asked him not to, said Council Member Claudia Rodriguez. Rodriguez also said Leeser has repeatedly assured her he'd, he'd declare a state of emergency if things got worse without saying exactly what that meant. U.S. Representative Tony Gonzalez, Republican of Texas, whose district covers rural areas and border towns near El Paso, also said he heard similar accounts from other city officials. Quote, it's a sleight of hand what the administration is doing, pressuring the local government to not issue a declaration of emergency to say as if everything is going okay. Gonzalez also alleged the White House has done the same thing in other parts of my district, which have also seen huge numbers of migrants seeking refuge. Leeser declined to speak with the Post, but said in a prepared statement, I don't bow to pressure from any side. I make decisions based on current circumstances. Uh-huh. Is that really what's going on? By, by the way, is there a crisis in El Paso? Well, Bill Malugan, the Fox reporter who, according to Politico, has really ticked off the White House for the great crime of showing what is happening at the border on camera. He, he tweeted out yesterday about the border crisis continuing in El Paso. 500 people arriving in just one night in El Paso. Here's what that sounded like. You can see 500 illegal crossings in multiple groups before sunrise in Eagle Pass this morning, including this group of 300 plus migrants. In the last week alone, Del Rio Sector Border Patrol reports 8,239 illegal crossings and 3,353 known gotaways. That's in one week. Okay, so that means in excess of 11,000 illegal, uh, illegal immigrants crossed the border and 3,300 of them got away. 
But it's not a crisis in El Paso because the White House says that it's not a crisis. Now, by the way, Martha's Vineyard was hit with five zero illegal immigrants, 50. And they declared basically a national emergency. New York City has been hit with, I believe, a grand total of something like 11,000 illegal immigrants since the beginning of this, this crisis. El Paso got hit with 11,000 a week. Okay, but they won't declare a crisis because the Biden administration doesn't want it to be humiliating for them. Oscar Leeser went on Fox News. He, he denied it. He says, no, 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 no. It, I, I'm just not declaring a crisis because things are fine over here. It's all good, guys. Everything's fine. Did the White House ask you not to declare a state of emergency? Absolutely not. You know, one of the things I'm very thankful for the White House, the federal government, they've done a really, really good job of working with us and helping us to make sure we get funding to be able to do the job that border cities are required to do. You know, as a border city, we have responsibilities. And that's one of the things that uh, we continue to do. One of the things we need to learn and really make sure we do is that we take the politics out of this. We have human lives. We have human people here. You know, I read the headlines, you know, Democratic mayor. You know, yeah, I ran as a Democrat, but it's really important that once we run for office and we get elected, we take the R, the D away from our names and understand that we have to represent 100 percent of the people that elected us. The human people. Don't worry, the Biden administration would never, ever pressure for political reasons. The mayor of El Paso not to declare an emergency on the border. Uh, Obviously, they wouldn't do that sort of stuff. Okay. meanwhile, over in Great Britain, Liz Truss has now become the shortest serving UK prime minister in the history of the country. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, your home is a lot more than the place you live. It's also a tool that provides added wealth, especially these days. Home values, they are still up over historic averages. It is very possible your home has helped you gain an average of 60 grand over the past year, maybe more. Why not take advantage of it while you still can? Call our friends at American Financing. Find out how that home equity can work for you. I'm telling you, this is money you've earned. It can help you get ahead, whether it's accessing cash or paying off debt. You can save an average of 700 bucks a month. Think of the impact that can make. Call American Financing to learn more. There's no pressure, no obligation, no upfront or hidden fees. If you start soon, you could delay two payments and you could close in as fast as 10 days. Call 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182334, MLS Again, go check out AmericanFinancing.net right now. If, for example, you got some credit card debt and you need to find out another way of taking advantage of your home equity to pay off that credit card debt, right, which is the situation for a lot of folks right now, American Financing might be able to help you out. And all it takes is one call, 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit them at AmericanFinancing.net. Also, are you still giving your money to woke razor companies that hate your values, see masculinity as toxic, and think you should teach your daughter to shave her beard? There is a better way. Jeremy's razors are 100% real and 100% woke-free. The premium handle has more heft than left. The razor head pivots without caving, has six blades that are sharper than the truth itself. Those other razor companies keep virtue signaling to the totalitarian left and using your cash to do it, but you don't have to let them. When you buy Jeremy's razors, you aren't just making Jeremy richer, you're making the woke left poorer, and that's the important thing. 95,000 people have already made the switch over. Visit jeremysrazors.com, get your founder series shave kit today. That's jeremysrazors.com. Jeremy's razors, shut up and shave. Okay, meanwhile, over in the UK, Liz Truss lasted slightly less time than a bottle of milk in the fridge as the prime minister of Great Britain. There's actually a Twitter account that was counting down whether Liz Truss would expire before a head of lettuce. And the answer is her prime ministership expired before the head of lettuce went bad, actually. According to the UK Sun, Liz Truss has dramatically announced she will resign as prime minister after just 44 days in office, which makes her the shortest serving prime minister in the history of her country. The embattled PM made a speech outside Downing Street this afternoon, confirming the astonishing turn of events. A Tory leadership race will now begin. A new PM will be chosen in the next week. 
Truss's downfall began just days into a premiership when the disastrous mini-budget was announced. The $45 billion tax bonfire sent mortgages soaring and the pound plummeting. Again, she got blamed for a lot of stuff that was not her fault. The UK has spent well beyond its means for years on end. They've put themselves in a really bad situation by overspending, by pursuing bad energy policy. And again, she was, she was basically put on the chopping block for all that. She was handed a losing hand, and then she played that hand very poorly. It's caused uproar among Tory MPs who questioned why the PM was cutting taxes for the rich as hard up Brits suffer in a crippling cost of living crisis. Trust tried to save her career by bringing in the more moderate Jeremy Hunt to replace ally Kwasi Kwerteng as chancellor. Hunt then tore the mini budget to shreds, a move that calmed down markets, but the damage had already been done. Restless MPs began calling for the PM's head, all of which raises the question as to why the Tories bothered getting rid of Boris Johnson in the first place. What they actually wanted was just a continuation of Boris Johnson's fairly middle-of-the-road, lukewarm capitalism, then why not just stick with Boris Johnson? I mean, after all, this turmoil doesn't seem to have benefited the Conservative Party very much, and the Labor Party, which has now been shed of Jeremy Corbyn, seems to be resurgent in the polling. 15 conservative backbenchers publicly called for the PM to go by this morning. Dozens more said they want her out in private. The Sun understands mistrust requested the meeting to be updated on the party mood. Just hours ago, a spokesperson for the PM admitted yesterday it was a difficult day. They said that the prime minister would continue beyond the 31st. That, of course, did not end up materializing in any way, shape, or form. So the question in the UK becomes, who replaces Liz Truss? There's a piece over at um, over at Bloomberg talking about who are the front runners to, to replace her. The number one front runner right now is Rishi Sunak. He ran against Truss in the conservative leadership election this summer. New Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has also climbed the list of favorites after less than a week in the role. There's some others who are, who are down, including Boris Johnson. There's the possibility that Boris Johnson is, is back after about a month and a half of being out of office. He, by the way, is vacationing and out of and out doing, doing exactly what it is that, that he wants to do. Bottom line is nothing is getting healed over there unless there is some pretty systemic change. The bills are coming due in the UK and whoever is in power at the time is going to pay the price for all of that. By the way, if you like what's happening in the UK, remember the United States is going to go down this path in fairly short order as we continue to blow out our own spending and make our social welfare safety net too large for the economy that supports it. So again, more chaos in the UK. None of that is shock. An attempt to blame this on the right, however, ignores the fact that it really is big government policy that has led to the financial impasse that has sunk Liz Truss's prime ministership before it even began. Okay, meanwhile, in other news, Kanye West is now being sued, apparently, by the George Floyd family. So put aside all of the Kanye West radical, crazy anti-Semitism that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. This is ridiculous. It is ridiculous that George Floyd's family is now suing Kanye West. They announced that they are filing a $250 million lawsuit against Kanye West over his recent statements about George Floyd's death. The rapper who goes by Ye erroneously declared on a podcast Floyd died from fentanyl, not as a result of police brutality, according to Yahoo Entertainment. Now. Again, wrong, erroneously declared on a podcast that Floyd died from fentanyl? Erroneously? I mean, th this happens to be under dispute on a factual level. Just because a jury ruled that homicide was responsible for the death of George Floyd does not mean that you are not allowed to have the opinion that the jury got it wrong in the United States. A jury also ruled that O.J. Simpson was innocent. O.J. Simpson happened to have been the murderer of his ex-wife and Ronald Goldman. So just because a jury finds that a thing happened does not mean that that is now the factually established reality. And the fact is that George Floyd did have a significant amount of fentanyl in his system. According to the Tox report, he had 11 NGMLs of fentanyl, and he had another 5.6 NGMLs of norfentanyl in his system. The Tox report and the, the, more, the report after his death, the, the, the report on his body, suggested there were no life-threatening injuries identified. There were no actual injuries of anterior muscles of the neck or the laryngeal structures. There was no facial oral mucosal or conjunctival peticiae. 
There was no chest wall soft tissue injuries, rib fractures, vertebral column injuries, or visceral injuries. Now, the reason I assume that, that Ye has been declaring this is because, of course, Ye has been promoting Candace Owens's documentary. The documentary is worth watching. It is quite good. The greatest lie ever sold. So what exactly does the documentary say about all? Well, why don't we begin with this? Here's the Floyd family lawyer on suing Kanye West. I wonder if this will mean that uh, Kanye West's comments about George Floyd will gain even more attention. Um, does that factor into the decision to move forward with this lawsuit? Well, we, we, we're going to move forward. And whether or not it, it, it receives more attention, uh, we think it's a very important issue uh, in this country. I mean, people are talking about free speech, but people also need to understand the limitations. If you're going to use other people's name for profit, if you're going to profit from other people's pain, if you're going to re-traumatize people, then you have to pay for it, just like Alex Jones paid for it uh, in the verdict against him for nearly a billion dollars. Okay, I'm sorry, but first of all, defamation does not apply to those who have passed away. This is a legal matter. You can't, you can't defame somebody who's already died. So there's that. Also, it happens to be that truth, or at least the possibility of truth, is a defense to any defamation claim in the first place. And the Greatest Lie Ever Sold does a very good job of going through all of the fact patterns with regard to what exactly happened in George Floyd's death. Here is a clip from The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, which you should go check out over at Daily Wire, plus is Candace's new documentary. They had to have the jury believe that it was a neck restraint, it was the knee on the neck, it was asphyxiation that killed George Floyd. However, there was a ton of evidence that George Floyd consumed a toxic, lethal cocktail of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Did it appear that Mr. Floyd said, I ate too many drugs? Yes, it did. Let's put it in perspective. Three grains of fentanyl on the head of a lead pencil, enough to kill you, enough to kill me. And so they had to continuously inculcate the public to believe that Derek Chauvin intentionally premeditatedly murdered George Floyd and drugs had absolutely nothing to do with it as as Lindsay and the toxicologist presented that awful testimony. Do you recall describing the level of fentanyl as a fatal level of fentanyl? I recall describing it in other circumstances. It would be a fatal level, yes, in other circumstances. Had Mr. Floyd been home alone in his locked residence with no evidence of trauma, and the only autopsy finding was that fentanyl level, then yes, I would certify his death as due to fentanyl toxicity. Okay, so again, all that is straight from the documentary. There's nothing false about anything in the documentary. All of that is well-established. All of it is well-verified. The attempt to try to suggest that you're not allowed to say this sort of stuff is, in fact, a restraint on free speech. The lawyers for Floyd's family, by the way, have said they're not going to file a defamation lawsuit because, of course, they, they don't actually have a standard. They're going to say intentional infliction of emotional distress, which, no, that, that is not going to fly under any circumstances. The fact is that you know, the, the attempt that is ongoing right now to basically verboten anything being said in defiance of the narrative on things like George Floyd or Black Lives Matter is the reason why Candace made the documentary The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, which, again, you should go check out over at Daily Wire+. Plus. 
by the way, some of the things you're not supposed to talk about with regard to George Floyd's death is the simple fact that a different angle shows that Derek Chauvin's knee is actually on the, on the back of George Floyd, not on the back of George Floyd's neck. And you can actually see his knee is on George Floyd's shoulder. It was characterized as such by witnesses for the prosecution in that particular case. Again, truth is of very little consequence when you are attempting to establish a narrative about the supposed racism of the United States more broadly. Speaking of the supposed racism of the United States more broadly and of our institutions, I do have to comment on what is a ridiculous, ridiculous statement by Kim Davis. She's the NHL Executive Vice President of Social Impact Growth and Legislative Affairs. If this is your job, by the way, what this means is you have to spot racism everywhere. If you're the chief of diversity at a college, you're going to say everything is diverse, we're great. You're going to pay like three fifty dollars a year. Or are you just going to say that everything is very, very bad? So here we have Kim Davis, again, NHL EVP of Social Impact Growth and Legislative Affairs, saying that the NHL's first internal demographic study found its workforce to be overwhelmingly white. Oh, you mean because the vast majority of people who play in the NFL are white and the vast majority of people who watch the NFL are white and the vast majority of people who play hockey are white? I I'm shocked. I can't believe it. But unless all sports, unless all institutions in America are demographically representative, except for the NBA. Shut up about the NBA. Uh, except for, unless they are representative, this means that some grave injustice is being done, according to Kim Davis. Um, having said that, we know we have work to do with women of color and we're leaning into that. Um, I think the, the thing that you should take away from the workforce uh, study is that it is a progressive outlook on how you begin to manage your talent. And it is progressive in that it's a self-identified report. So of our 4,200, approximately 4,200 employees across the league and the club, 67% of our employees participated in it, and this is how they self-identified. Um, and we will take this benchmark every two years and measure our progress over time. Listen, it's my belief that for the sake of equity, for the sake of equity, every institution in America must be demographically representative. I've been told by Ibram X. Kendi that unless every institution in America is demographically representative, then what that means is that equity has not been achieved. It means racism is a part of the system, which means Every institution in America must be half women, 58% white, 19% Hispanic, and 12% black. Every institution, including the NBA. Otherwise, obviously, systemic racism is the cause of, of all of this. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing. Now you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into a company pulling out of California after pointing out that San Francisco has, has descended into sheer chaos. Plus, California is making sure that they are now a trans kid tourism state. We'll get to that in just a second. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. Oh! <laughs>